7. Of her subjects, Cherry, Emma Richardson, gold medal from Western Art Association in 1891, member of Above Association and of the Denver Art Club, born at Aurora, Illinois, 1859, pupil of Julian and Delacluse Academies in Paris, also of Murderson, and of the Art Students League in New York, Mrs. Cherry is a portrait painter, and in 1903 was much occupied in this art in Chicago and vicinity. Among her sippers were Mr. Orangmont, the donor of the Library of the Northwestern University, and Bishop Foster, a former president of the same university, these are to be placed in the library. A portrait by Mrs. Cherry of a former president of the American Society of Civil Engineers, Mr. Oceanute, is to be placed in the club rooms of the Society in New York. It has been done at the request of the Society. An exhibition of ten portraits by this artist was held in Chicago in 1903, and was favorably noticed. Mrs. Cherry resides in Houston, Texas. Clement, Ethel. This artist has received several awards from California State Fair exhibits, and her pastel portrait of her mother was hung on the line at the Salon of 1898. Member of San Francisco Art Association and of the Sketch Club of that city. Born in San Francisco in 1874. Her studies began in her native city withdrawing from the antique and from life under Fred Yates, at the Cowles Art School, Boston, and the Art Students League, New York. She spent three winters, and at the Julian Academy, Paris, three other winters, drawing from life and painting in oils under the teaching of Jules Lefebvre and Robert Fleury, supplementing these studies by that of landscape in oils under George Lavie in Picardy. Her portraits, figure subjects and landscapes are numerous, and are principally in private collections, a large proportion being in San Francisco. Her recent work has been landscape painting in New England. In 1903 she exhibited a number of pictures in Boston which attracted favorable attention. Cohen, Catherine M. Honorary Member of the American Art Association, Paris, and of the New Century Club, Philadelphia, born in Philadelphia, 1859, pupil of School of Design. Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, and of St. Gaudens at Art Students League, also six years in Paris schools. This artist executed a portrait of General Beaver for the Smith Memorial in Fairmount Park. She has made many portraits in busts and bas reliefs, as well as imaginary subjects and decorative works. The Israelite is a life-size statue and an excellent work. Ciola Layardi, Marie, born in Brussels, 1842 is called the Flemish Rose of Anur and the Muse of Belgian Landscape. Her pictures of country life are most attractive. Her powerful handling of her brush is modified by a tender, feminine sentiment. I quote from the History of Modern Painters, in Marie Collard's pictures may be found quiet nooks beneath clear sky green stretches of grass where the cows are at pasture in idyllic peace. Here is to be found the cheery freshness of country life. Coleman, Charlotte P. Bronze Medal. California Midwinter Exposition, 1894, member of New York Watercolor Club, born in Waterville, and white pupil of J.R. Brevoort in America, of Harry Thompson and Emile Vernier in Paris. This artist has painted landscapes, and sent to the Philadelphia Exposition in 1876, a French village to the Paris Exposition, 1878, near Fontainebleau. In 1877 and 1878 she exhibited in Boston on the borders of the Marne and Peasant House in Normandy. No reply to circular. C.O.M.E.R.R.E. Payton, Madame, Jacqueline, Honorable Mention, 1881, Medal at Versailles, 
officer of the academy, born at Paris, 1859, pupil of Cabanel. Her principal works are, Podin, Hollandaise, in the Museum of Lille, Song of the Wood, Museum of Morlaix, Mignon, Portrait of Mademoiselle, Ugaldi, the Haymaker, etc. C.O.K.S.L.E., Margaret Murray, decorated by the Sultan of Turkey with the Order of the Chethocket, and with the Medaille de Beaux-Arts, also a Turkish honor, medal for the Lion Tamers in the time of Nero, member of the Empress Club, born in Dorsetshire, studied in Brussels under Leroy and Galais, and spent a year at South Kensington in the study of anatomy. Mrs. Cookesley has lived in Newfoundland and in San Francisco. A visit to Constantinople brought her a commission to paint a portrait of the son of the Sultan. No sittings were recorded her. The Sultan thinking a photograph sufficient for the artist to work from. Fortunately Mrs. Cookesley was able to make a sketch of her subject while following the royal carriage in which he was riding. The portrait proved so satisfactory to the Sultan that he not only decorated the artist, but invited her to make portraits of some of his wives, for which Mrs. Cookesley had not time. Her pictures of Oriental subjects have been successful. Among these are, an Arab cafe in the slums of Cairo, much noticed in the Academy Exhibition of 1895, noon at Ramazan, the snake charmer, umbrellas to mend Damascus, and a group of the Sudanese friends of Gordon. Her priestess of Isis is owned in Cairo. Among her pictures of Western subjects are, the Puritan's daughter, deliver us from evil, the gambler's wife, widowed, and, Miss Calhoun as Salome, were purchased by McLean, of the Haymarket Theatre, Death of the Firstborn, is owned in Russia, and, Portrait of Ellen Terry as Imogen, is in a private collection, Lion Tamers in the Time of Nero, is one of her important pictures of animals, of which she has made many sketches, Cooper, Emma Lampert, awarded medal at World's Columbian Exposition, 1893, Bronze Medal, Atlanta Exposition, 1895, member of Watercolor Club and Women's Art Club, New York, Watercolor Club and Plastic Club, Philadelphia, Women's Art Association, Canada, Women's International Art Club, London, born in Dunda, NY studied under Agnes D. Abbott at Cooper Union and at the Art Students League, New York, in Paris under Harry Thompson and at Delacluse and Colarossi Academies, Mrs. Cooper's work is principally in watercolors. After several years abroad, in the spring of 1903 she exhibited 22 pictures, principally of Dutch interiors, with some sketches in English towns, which last, being more unusual, Werder thought her best work. Her picture, Mother Claudius, is in the collection of Walter J. Peck, New York, High Noon at Cape and is owned by W.B. Lockwood, New York, and A. Holland Interior, by Dr. Jessler, Philadelphia. Of her recent exhibition a critic writes, the pictures are notable for their careful attention to detail of drawing. Architectural features of the rich old Gothic churches are faithfully indicated instead of blurred, and the treatment is almost devotional in tone. So sympathetic is the quality of the work. There is a total absence of the garish coloring which has become so common the religious subjects being without exception in a minor key, usually soft grays and blues. It is indeed in composition and careful drawing that this artist excels rather than in coloring. Although this afterthought is suggested by the canvases treating of secular subjects, Brooklyn Standard Union, C.O.R.A.Z.I., G.I.U.L.I.D.A., born at Fivizano, 1866, went to Florence when still a child and early began to study art. She took a diploma at the Academy in 1886, 
having been a pupil of Casaioli. She is a portrait painter, and among her best works are the portraits of the Counts Francesco and Ottorino Tenderini, Giuseppe Erd, and Raffaello Morvanti. Her pictures of flowers are full of freshness and spirit and delightful in color. Since 1885 she has spent much time in teaching in the public schools and other institutions and in private families. Lili, Clementina, member of the Society for the Promotion of the Fine Arts, in Naples, born in Lasso, 1840. This artist is both a painter and a sculptor, pupil of Biagio Molinari. She supplemented his instructions by constant visits to galleries and museums, where she could study masterpieces of art. A statue called, Be Undeceived, and a group, the task, did much to establish her reputation. They were exhibited in Naples, Milan, and Verona, and aroused widespread interest. Her pictures are numerous. Among them are, St. Louis, Sappho, Petrarch and Laura, Romeo and Juliet, Hager and Ishmael in the Desert, a devotee of the Virgin, exhibited at Turin in 1884, a series illustrating the, seasons, and four others representing the arts. C.O.S.W.A. Maria, the artist known by this name was born Maria Headfield, the daughter of an Englishman who acquired a fortune as a hotel keeper in Leghorn, which was Maria's birthplace. She was educated in a convent, and early manifesting unusual artistic ability, was sent to Rome to study painting. Her friends there, among whom were Batomi, Raphael Mans, and Fusley, found much to admire and praise in her art. After her father's death Maria ardently desired to become a nun, but her mother persuaded her to go to England. Here she came under the influence of Angelica Kaufman, and devoted herself assiduously to painting. She married Richard Koswai, an eminent painter of miniatures in watercolors. Koswai was a man of fortune with a good position in the fashionable circles of London. For a time after their marriage Maria lived in seclusion. Her husband wishing her to acquire the dignity and grace requisite for success in the society which he frequented. Meantime she continued to paint in miniature, and her pictures attracted much attention in the Academy exhibitions. When at length Koswai introduced her to the London world, she was greatly admired, her receptions were crowded, and the most eminent people sat to her for their portraits. Her picture of the Duchess of Devonshire in the character of Spencer Cynthia was very much praised. Koswai did not permit her to be paid for her work, and as a consequence many costly gifts were made her in return for her miniatures, which were regarded as veritable treasures by their possessors. Maria Koswai had a delicious voice in singing, which, in addition to her other talent, her beauty, and grace, made her unusually popular in society, and her house was a center for all who had any pretensions to a place in the best circles, poets, authors orators, lords, ladies, diplomats, as well as the Prince of Wales, were to be seen in her drawing rooms. A larger house was soon required for the Coswais, and the description of it in Nolikens and His Times is interesting. Many of the rooms were more like scenes of enchantment penciled by a poet's fancy, than anything perhaps before displayed in a domestic habitation. Escritoires of ebony, inlaid with mother of pearl, and rich caskets for antique gems exquisitely enameled and adorned with onyx, opals, rubies, and emeralds, cabinets of ivory, curiously wrought, mosaic tables, set with jasper, bloodstone, and lapis lazuli, their feet carved into the claws of lions and eagles, screens of old raised oriental Japan, massive musical clocks, 
richly chased with ormolu and tortoise shell, ottomans superbly damasked, Persian and other carpets, with corresponding hearthrugs bordered with ancient family crests and armorial ensigns in the center, and rich hangings of English tapestry. The carved chimney pieces were adorned with the choicest bronzes and models in wax and terracotta. The tables were covered with Sevres, Blue Mandarin, Nankin, and Dresden China, and the cabinets were surmounted with crystal cups, adorned with the York and Lancaster roses, which might have graced the splendid banquets of the proud Wolsey. In the midst of all this fatiguing luxury, Maria Coswell lost her health and passed several years traveling in Europe, returning to London. She was again prostrated by the death of her only daughter. She then went to Lodi, near Milan, where she founded a college for the education of girls. She spent much time in Lodi, and after the death of her husband established herself there permanently. A goodly circle of friends gathered about her, and she found occupation and solace for her griefs in the oversight of her college. She continued her painting and the exhibition of her pictures at the Royal Academy. She made illustrations for the works of Virgil, Homer, Spencer, and other poets, and painted portraits of interesting and distinguished persons, among whom were Madame, Legrun and Madame, Ricamier. The life and work of Maria Coswell afford a striking contradiction of the theory that wealth and luxury induce idleness and dull the powers of their possessors. Hers is but one of the many cases in which a woman's a woman, for a that, at an art sale in London in 1901. An engraving by V. Green after Mrs. Coswell's portrait of herself, first state, brought 1.300, and a second one 200 less. Coudert, Amelia Kuzner, born in Tarot, Indiana. This distinguished miniaturist writes me that she never studied, like Topsy. She must have growed, by whatever method they are produced or by whatever means the artist in her has been evolved. Her pictures would seem to prove that study of a most intelligent order has done its part in her development. She has executed miniature portraits of the Tsar and Tsarina of Russia, the Grand Duchess Vladimir, King Edward VII, the late Cecil Rhodes, many English ladies of rank, and a great number of the beautiful and fashionable women of America. C-O-U-D-A-N-M-O-D-O-R-G-U-E-I-L. Madame, Laura Martin, Honorable Mention, Salon de Artistes Français, 1894. Born at Dunsuroran, Cher, pupil of Alfred Boucher, this sculptor has executed the monument to Andrew Gill, Père Lachaise, that of the poet Moro, in the cemetery Montparnasse, bust of Taglioni, in the foyer of the Grand Opera House, Paris, bust of the astronomer Leverrier, at the Institute, Paris, a statue, the Spring, Museum of Bourges, Sirius, in the Palais of the Governor of Algiers, also busts of Prince Napoleon, General Bollinger, the Countess de Choiseul, the Countess de Vogue, and numerous statuettes and other compositions, at the Salon, Artistes Francais, 1903, she exhibited, Fortune, and, a statuette, Cowles, Genevieve Almeida, member of the Women's Art Club, New York, Club of Women Art Workers, New York, and the Paint and Clay Club of New Haven, born in Farmington, Connecticut, 1871, pupil of Robert Brondage, of the Cowles Art School, Boston, and of Professor Niemeyer at the Yale Art School, together with her twin sister, Maud. This artist has illustrated various magazine articles, also several books, among which are, The House of the Seven Gables, Old Virginia, etc. Miss J. A. Cowles designed a memorial window and a decorative border for the chancel of St. Michael's Church, Brooklyn, 
Together with her sister, she designed a window in the memory of the deaconess, Miss Stillman, in Grace Church, New York City. These sisters now execute many windows and other decorative work for churches, and also superintend the making and placing of the windows. Regarding their work in the Chapel of Christ Church, New Haven, Miss Genevieve Cowles writes me, these express the prayer of the prisoner, the prayer of the soul in darkness, and the prayer of old age. These are paintings of states of the soul and of deep emotions. The paintings are records of human lives and not mere imagination. We study our characters directly from life. These artists are now, November, 1903, engaged upon a landscape frieze for a dining room in a house at Watch Hill. Miss Genevieve Cowles writes, We feel that we are only at the beginning of our life work, which is to be chiefly in mural decoration and stained glass. I desire especially to work for prisons, hospitals, and asylums for those whose great need of beauty seems often to be forgotten. Cowles, Maud Alice, twin sister of Genevieve Cowles, bronze medal at Paris Exposition, 1900, and a medal at Buffalo, 1901. Her studies were the same as her sister's, and she is a member of the same societies. Indeed, what has been said above is equally true of the two sisters as they usually work on the same windows and decorations, dividing the designing and execution between them. Cox, Louise Mrs. Canyon Cox, Third Hall Garden Cries, National Academy of Design, Bronze Medal, Paris Exposition, 1900, Silver Medal at Buffalo, 1901, Medal at Charleston, 1902, Shaw Memorial Prize, Society of American Artists, 1903, Member of Society of American Artists, and an associate of the Academy of Design, born at San Francisco, 1865, studies made at Academy of Design, art students lead, under C. Turner, George D. Forrest Brush, and Kenyon Cox, Mrs. Cox paints small decorative pictures and portraits, mostly of children, the Shaw Prize was awarded to a child's portrait, called Olive, among other subjects she has painted in Annunciation, The Fates, and Angiola, Reproduced in this book, a writer in the Cosmopolitan says, Mrs. Cox is an earnest worker and her method is interesting. Each picture is the result of many sketches and the study of many models, representing in a composite way the perfections of all. For the Virgin in her Annunciation a model was first posed in the nude, and then another draped. The artist sketching the figure in the nude, draping it from the second model. The hands are always separately sketched from a model who has a peculiar grace in folding them naturally. Mrs. Cox gives her ideas about her picture of the fates, as follows, My interpretation of the fates is not the one usually accepted. The idea took root in my mind years ago when I was a student at the League. It remained urgently with me until I was forced to work it out. As you see, the faces of the fates are young and beautiful, but almost expressionless. The heads are drooping. The eyes heavy as though half asleep. My idea island that they are merely instruments under the control of a higher power. They perform their work. They must do it without will or wish of their own. It would be beyond human or superhuman endurance for any conscious instrument to bear for ages and ages the horrible responsibility placed upon the fates. Crespo Diariagion. Asuncion. Honorable mention at the National Exhibition. Madrid. 1860. Member of the Academy of San Fernando. 1839, pupil of her father, to the exhibition in 1860 she sent a Magdalene in the desert, the education of the Virgin, the Divine Shepherdess, a Madonna, and a Venus, 
Her works have been seen in many public exhibitions. In 1846 she exhibited a miniature of Queen Isabel II. Many of her pictures are in private collections. C-R-O-M-E-N-B-U-R-C-H. Anna Vaughan. In the Museum of Madrid are four portraits by this artist, a lady of the Netherlands, which belonged to Philip I.V. A lady and child, a lady with her infant before her, and another portrait of a lady. The catalogue of the museum gallery says, it is not known in what place or in what year this talented lady was born. She is said to have belonged to an old and noble family of Friesland. At any rate, she was an excellent portrait painter, and flourished about the end of the 16th century. The Museo del Prado is the only gallery in Europe which possesses works signed by this distinguished artist, Don Prize. Sophie, born in Munich, 1835-98, this artist was endowed with unusual musical and artistic talent. After the education of her only son, she devoted herself to painting, principally of landscape and flowers. After 1868, so long as she lived she was much interested in Frau von Weber's art school for girls. In 1886, when a financial crisis came, Madame Don Fry saved the enterprise from ruin. She exhibited, in 1887, two pictures which are well known, Harvest Time, and, Forest Depths, Damer, Mrs. and Seymour, family name Conway, 1748-1828, she was a granddaughter of the Duke of Argyle, a relative of the Marquis of Hertford, and a cousin of Horace Walpole, her education was conducted with great care, the history of ancient nations, especially in relation to art, was her favorite study. She had seen but few sculptures, but was fascinated by them, and almost unconsciously cherished the idea that she could at least model portraits and possibly give form to original conceptions. Alan Cunningham wrote of her thus, her birth entitled her to a life of ease and luxury, her beauty exposed her to the assiduity of suitors and the temptations of courts, but it was her pleasure to forget all such advantages and dedicate the golden hours of her youth to the task of raising a name by working in wet clay, plaster of Paris, stubborn marble, and still more intractable bronze, before she had seriously determined to attempt the realization of her dreams. She was brought to a decision by a caustic remark of the historian, Hume. Miss Conway was one day walking with him when they met an Italian boy with plaster vases and figures to sell. Hume examined the wares and talked with the boy, not long after, in the presence of several other people. Miss Conway ridiculed Hume's taste in art, he answered her sarcastically and intimated that no woman could display as much science and genius as had entered into the making of the plaster casts she so scorned. This decided her to test herself, and, obtaining wax and the proper tools, she worked industriously until she had made a head that she was willing to show to others. She then presented it to Hume, it has been said that it was his own portrait, but we do not know if this is true. At all events, Hume was forced to commend her work, and added that modeling in wax was very easy, but to chisel in marble was quite another task. Piqued by this scant praise she worked on courageously, and before long showed her a critic a copy of the wax had done in marble. Though Hume genuinely admired certain portions of this work, it is not surprising that he also found defects in it. Doubtless his critical attitude stimulated the young sculptress to industry, but the true art impulse was awakened, and her friends soon observed that Miss Conway was no longer interested in their usual pursuits. When the whole truth was known, it caused much comment. Of course ladies had painted, 
but to work with the hands in wet clay and be covered with marble dust to say the least. Miss Conway was eccentric. She at once began the study of anatomy under Crookshanks, modeling with Sarakai, and the handling of marble in the studio of Bacon. Unfortunately for her art, she was married at nineteen to John Darner, eldest son of Lord Milton, a fop and spendthrift, who had run through a large fortune. He committed suicide nine years after his marriage. It is said that Harrington, in Miss Burney's novel of Cecilia, was drawn from John Damer, and that his wardrobe was sold for 75.000 about half its original cost. Mrs. Damer was childless, and very soon after her husband's death she traveled in Europe and renewed her study and practice of sculpture with enthusiasm. By some of her friends her work was greatly admired. But Walpole so exaggerated his praise of her that one can but think that he wrote out of his cousinly affection for the artist, rather than from a judicial estimate of her talent. He bequeathed to her, for her life, his villa of Strawberry Hill, with all its valuables, and L2.000 a year for its maintenance. Mrs. Damer executed many portrait busts, some animal subjects, two colossal heads, symbolic of the Thames and the Isis intended for the adornment of the bridge at Henley, her statue of the king, in marble, was placed in the register office in Edinburgh, she made a portrait bust of herself for the Uffizi Gallery, in Florence, her portrait busts of her relatives were numerous and are still seen in private galleries, she executed two groups of sleeping dogs, one for Queen Caroline and a second for her brother-in-law, the Duke of Richmond, Napoleon asked her for a bust of Fox which she made and presented to the emperor. A bust of herself which she made for Richard Payne Knight was by him bequeathed to the British Museum. Her death of Cleopatra was modeled in relief, and an engraving from it was used as a vignette on the title page of the second volume of Boydell Shakespeare. Those who have written of Mrs. Darner's art have taken extreme views. They have praised A.D. Nausham, as Walpole did when he wrote, Mrs. Darner's busts from life are not inferior to the antique. Her shop dog, large as life and only not alive, rivals the marble one of Bernini in the royal collection, as the ancients have left us but five animals of equal merit with their human figures viz. The Barberini goat, the Tuscan boar, the Matei eagle, the eagle at Strawberry Hill, and Mr. Jennings' dog the talent of Mrs. Damer must appear in the most distinguished light. Sarakai made a full-length figure of Mrs. Damer, which he called the muse of sculpture, and Darwin, the poet wrote, long with soft touch shall Damer's chisel charm, with grace delight us, and with beauty warm, quite in opposition to this praise, other authors and critics have severely denied the value of her talent, her originality, and her ability to finish her work properly, she has also been accused of employing an undue amount of aid in her art, as a woman she was unusual in her day, and as resolute in her opinions as those now known as strong-minded, English women as she was, she sent a friendly message to Napoleon at the crisis, just before the Battle of Waterloo. She was a power in some political elections, and she stoutly stood by Queen Caroline during her trial. Mrs. Damer was much esteemed by men of note. She ardently admired Charles Fox, and, with the beautiful Duchess of Devonshire and Mrs. Crewe, she took an active part in his election, rustling their silks in the lowest sinks of sin and misery, and in return for the electors most sweet voices submitting. It is said, their own sweet cheeks to the salutes of butchers and bargemen. She did not hesitate to openly express her sympathy with the American colonies, and bravely defended their cause.
At Strawberry Hill Mrs. Damer dispensed a generous hospitality, and many distinguished persons were her guests, Joanna Bailey, Mrs. Siddons, Mrs. Garrick, and Mrs. Berry and her daughters were of her intimate circle. She was fond of the theatre and frequently acted as an amateur in private houses. She was excellent in high comedy and recited poetry effectively. Mrs. Damer was one of the most interesting of English women at a period of unusual excitement and importance. When seventy years old she was persuaded to leave Strawberry Hill, and Lord Waldegrave, on whom it was entailed, took possession. Mrs. Damer then purchased York House, the birthplace of Queen Anne, where she spent ten summers, her winter home being in Park Lane, London. She bequeathed her artistic works to a relative, directed that her apron and tools should be placed in her coffin, and all her letters destroyed, by which she deprived the world of much that would now be historically valuable, since she had corresponded with Nelson and Fox, as well as with other men and women who were active in the important movements of her time. She was buried at Tunbridge, Count, D.A.S.S.L., Mrs. Hermony, whose family name was Borchard, daughter of a Prussian gentleman who, having lost his fortune, came to the United States in 1839. His children had enjoyed the advantages of education and of an excellent position in the world, but here, in a strange land, were forced to consider the means of their support. Hermione determined to be a painter, and in some way earned the money to go to Dusseldorf, where she studied for years under Somme, all the time supporting herself. Her pictures were genre subjects introducing children which found a ready sale. She returned to America, determined to earn money to go to Italy. In a year she earned a thousand dollars, and out of it paid some expenses for a brother whom she wished to take with her. Hermione was still young, and so petite in person that her friends were alarmed by her ambitions and strenuously opposed her plans. However, she persevered and reached Italy, but unfortunately the revolution of 1848 made it impossible for her to remain and she had many unhappy experiences in returning to New York. Her pictures were appreciated, and several of them were purchased by the Art Union, then existing in New York. Soon after her return to America she married Mr. Dassel, and although she had a large family she continued to paint. Her picture of Othello is in the Dusseldorf Gallery. Her painting of Effie Deans attracted much attention. Mrs. Dassel interested herself in charities and was admired as an artist and greatly respected as a woman. She died in 1857. Dealey, Jane Mary Mrs. W. Llewellyn Lewis, silver medal at Royal Academy School and prize for best drawing of the year, member of Royal Institute of Painters in Watercolors, born in Liverpool, studied at Slade School and Royal Academy School has exhibited several years at the Royal Academy Exhibition and Institute of Painters in Watercolors. In 1901 her picture, A Dutch Bargain, was etched and engraved, Hesha My Baby, and Goodbye, Summer, have been published by Messrs. De La Rue She has successfully illustrated the following children's books, Sixes and Sevens, The Land of Little People, Children's Prayers, and Children's Hymns. To the Academy Exhibition of 1903 Mrs. Lewis sent, on the mountainside, Engelberg, Diangelis, Cielo Dialdi. This Neapolitan artist has made a good impression in at least two Italian exhibitions. To the National Exposition, Naples, 1877, she sent, Studio Decoli Vero and, Valar di Porano, showing costumes of Amalfi. Both her drawing and color are good. D.A.B.I.L.E.M.O.D. Chardon, Madame, Gabrielle. 
Third Class Medal, Salon, 1894, Honorable Mention at Paris Exposition, 1900, Second Class Medal, Salon, 1901. This miniaturist is well known by her works, in which so much grace, freshness, skill, and delicacy are shown, in which are represented such charming subjects with purity of tone and skillful execution in all regards, as well as with an incomparable spirit of attractiveness. This artist is one of the three miniaturists whose works have a place in the Museum of the Luxembourg. She has had many pupils, and by her influence and example for they endeavor to imitate their teacher she has done much to improve and enlarge the style in miniature painting. D. Haas, Mrs. Alice Preble Tucker, born in Boston, studied at the Cooper Union and with M.F.H. D. Haas, Swain Gifford, William Chase, and Rhoda Holmes Nichols, painter of watercolor pictures and miniatures. Her pictures are in private hands in Washington, New York, and Boston. The following article written at the time of an exhibition by Mrs. D. Haas gives a just estimate of her work. Mrs. D. Haas is especially devoted to the painting in watercolor of landscape and sea views, for which the Atlantic coast affords such a wide and varied range. A constant and keen observer of nature, she has seized her marvelous witchery of light and color, and reproduced them in the glow of the moonlight on the water when in a stormy mood and the silvery gleam has become an almost vivid orb.